Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Real Talk with QHT. I'm George Herrera. I'm your host today, flying solo once again. Um, it's February 19th right now in 2022, and I'm recording another podcast just to cover some topics that we've been encountering, some different questions that we've gotten, and things like that that we've been seeing in the market. Um, so I, I like to cover this basic format um, that I came up with, which is um, just going over a question of the week, something that we've gotten from a consumer um, over the last week or so. Um, also an aha of the week, so something recent that we've learned. And um, also to talk about any new listings that we just put on the market in case you're looking to buy or if you're an agent in case you have any potential buyers. And also just to talk about the stock market and the economy, you know, any recent happenings that are impacting the real estate market on a broad scale or even on a, a micro local scale, right? So let's jump right in um, to the question of the week. So one of the questions that we've gotten in the last week or so from buyers and homeowners or, you know, potential sellers are you know, should I buy or sell right now? So we have a lot of people right now that are asking us, um, is now the right time to buy? Should I just wait? Should I just keep renting and, and hold out? You know, will prices come down? Um, sellers are wondering, you know, how does the market look this year? When's the best time to put my property on the market? Um, you know, obviously it's impossible to time the market. So it's just like the stock market in that sense. Um, but there are some things that you can look at that can give you a good gauge into whether now is the right time to buy or sell. Now, if we're talking about buying, right, buying a property, in my opinion, when you're ready to buy, that's the time to buy. And unless you're looking to flip a property, you know, to resell it within the next one to five years, uh, if you're looking to flip, then you really want to look at the market and dissect it to see if it makes sense. Because, uh, for example, like this year, you wouldn't want to flip a house right now, I don't think, especially with the anticipation of mortgage rates to continue rising. Um, we don't know what that's going to do to buyer demand. So if you were looking to flip a house, you know, it's definitely not a great time to do that because the ARV that you're calculating, the after repair value, may be less than what you actually are projecting once you have the project complete and put it on the market. So when you're looking at a shorter time frame, then analyzing the market is more important, right? And more vital to your decision. But if you're looking to buy a property and live in it for 10 plus years, or if you're planning to hold it, an investment property for 10 plus years, you really don't have to worry so much about timing the market and when to buy. It's more so a matter of when you're ready, when you have the down payment ready, when you have your credit, your income, everything is is in line and you're ready to get pre-approved and you're approved for an amount that can actually purchase something in the areas you're looking in, then that's the time to buy. So in my opinion, I think you know, for when it comes to buying, when you're ready and prepared, then that's when you want to go out and start looking at properties. It doesn't mean that you have to jump on something. It just means that you should be out there armed with a pre-approval, looking at properties. And if you see something you like, something good, you just want to be in a position to move on it. Okay. So uh, for example, like my wife and I, we get pre-approved at the beginning of every year. So I like to always have a pre-approval because I'm always looking at properties and I might not be 
I'm not so urgent, but I'm always looking at properties because if I see something good, I want us to be able to move on it, right? So I think in in terms of buying, it's not so much in a question of, you know, is now the right time to buy? I think if you're prepared and you're ready to buy, then that is the right time to buy. Again, unless your time horizon is shorter, if you're looking to flip something or live there for, you know, two, three years and then resell, then you want to look a little, dig a little deeper into the market dynamics because you might want to um, uh, second guess buying. You might want to think about it. That's when you want to probably talk to a local agent and just get some advice. Now, if we're talking about selling a property, normally, similar to buying, we usually tell people when you're ready to sell that's when you sell, you know, when, whenever the circumstances are all in line, when everything is, when you've done everything you wanted to do, because selling is such a big decision. Many times it takes years and years to finally get to the point where someone is ready to put the property on the market. So usually we tell people, you know, selling is a big deal. So whenever you're ready to sell, that's when it's the right time to sell. Again, not trying to perfectly time the market. However, in 2022, we already know mortgage rates already ticked up to start the year. And we already know that the Fed is expected to do multiple rate hikes this year. Um, It's pretty much broad consensus that mortgage rates will be rising this year. How high they'll go, we don't know yet, but we do know that they will be rising. And based on the inflation that we're seeing and and what's happening in the economy, you can pretty much safely assume that mortgage rates will probably rise somewhat significantly, right, compared to what we had last year. So what we're telling people this year, if you're looking to sell your property within the next year or two, then now probably would be the most ideal time to buy, uh, to, to sell, sorry now probably is the most ideal time, meaning Q1 or Q2, ideally Q1, because uh, mortgage rates are still fairly low, even though they did um, uh, go up. Uh, Mortgage rates are still fairly low. Right now, you have a lot of buyers that are actually looking to buy something before the rates go up any higher. So you have, you know, some urgency there on the buyer side, and you have low inventory levels right now. Now, as inventory rises, you know, that increases the supply, rates go up, that decreases the demand, that can start to change the market. But um, this is one of the rare years that we're telling um, anyone who's thinking of selling, you know, within the next year or so, we're telling them now probably would be the most ideal time to put it on the market if you wanted to take advantage of the low rates and also if you wanted to take advantage of the low inventory levels. So, that's just addressing the question of, you know, is now the right time to buy or is now the right time to sell here in Queens, right? So next thing we wanted to, I wanted to jump uh, into was the AHA of the week. So this is um, every week with our team, we have our team meeting and one of the segments in our meeting is AHA of the week, right? Does anybody have any AHAs, anything they learned recently? And my aha um, last week was actually related to the NYC bedroom code. Um, we got a, 
a comment on one of our YouTube videos on our YouTube channel, and someone had asked us to shoot a video about addicts and um, if they can be legally used as a bedroom, right? So uh, I looked up the NYC bedroom code. I did some research just before I shot the video. And what I found was some, some of these things that we knew, but it was interesting to go through the actual details. And with the NYC bedroom code, one of the things that I had an aha about was the, it said um, for as per NYC bedroom code, the room, the, the room must have at least eight feet on one side, right? So meaning it must be eight feet wide on some side of the room. Um, so at least eight feet. And sometimes we've seen rooms where they might be six or seven feet by, let's say, 10 or six by eight, something like that. So at least eight feet on one side in order to meet to be up to NYC bedroom code. OK, also minimum square footage for a bedroom as per NYC bedroom code is 80 square feet, meaning your room would have to be. 8 by 10, 8 by 11, 9 by 12, um, you know, 9 by 10. Um, so pretty much 80 square feet, right? Now, um, sometimes we see rooms where they're 7 by 9, you know, it might be 7 by 10, and it looks like a junior room, you know, what we would call like a junior four or a junior room. But as per NYC bedroom code, in order for it to be, legally used as a bedroom um, it would need to be a minimum of 80 square feet so that's just uh, some a little aha there um, pretty insightful because we're selling a two-family in Astoria right now and one of the bedrooms on the second floor is actually exactly 8 by 10 so it's 80 square feet um, there's also a requirement for natural sunlight which means it has to have a window right so that's uh, pretty common. Most people know that has to have a window to uh, be up to NYC bedroom code, natural sunlight. You also have natural ventilation. So meaning the window has to be operable. You have to be able to open the window, you know, let air in. So you have to have ventilation in the room. Um, also, something I, I didn't know there is that when you open the window, there's the opening should be a minimum of six square feet. So there has to be a minimum of six square feet opening um, for the the window uh, in, in order to be up to NYC bedroom code. Um, and also the window has to be minimum of 12 square feet, the overall window. Um, there's also a, a maximum uh, depth requirement. So it can't be any more than 30 feet deep, you know, from the window, wherever the window is. It can't be more than 30 feet. Most rooms are not over 30 feet uh, um, deep anyway, but that's another one of the requirements. So that was pretty insightful, you know, NYC bedroom code. Um, I can actually leave a link in the description to the actual NYC bedroom code um, and the the information that I found related to um, all the requirements, but that's some just a brief rundown, little primer. Um, there's more intricate details there, especially related to addicts, but in general, that was some good information to know, you know, up to if you ha had um, a bedroom here or if you created, you know, a partition or tried to create a room 
and it doesn't meet one of these requirements, it wouldn't actually meet the NYC bedroom code. So 80 square feet minimum, eight square uh, eight feet on one side, ventilation, natural sunlight, um, maximum depth. Depth. So uh, a lot of that information is pretty pretty interesting there. Um, so that was my aha last week at our team meeting. Now. Uh, in terms of new listings, right? So we do have a new listing on the market this week. It's a one-bedroom co-op in Kew Gardens. It's right on Metropolitan Ave. Um, this one's actually um, at 11860 Metropolitan Ave, Unit 5L. It's a fifth-floor unit, one bedroom. It has a renovated kitchen. It has an uh, upgraded bathroom, um, really bright and sunny. It has recessed lighting in the living room, nice updated kitchen. So it's a nice, nice cozy unit. It's perfect for uh, like a starter apartment or for an entry level buyer. This one is, uh, or someone downsizing, but this one is um, listed at 229. So great price, low maintenance, um, 229,000 Kew Gardens. It's like five blocks from the LIRR station, the Kew Garden station. It's also like, 10 blocks from the ENF train um, and like seven blocks from the J and the Z. It's near Forest Park. You know, Kew Gardens is great. And this one's in Forest and Gardens. That's the co-op development. It's a gated community, so it's really secure. And they have a big courtyard in the middle for all the residents. So it's a really nice unit, really nice development, well-maintained well, uh, building, well-managed building and, and development, Forest and Gardens. So definitely worth a look. If you're an agent and you have a potential buyer, check it out on our website, queenshometeam.com. If you're a potential buyer, also uh, feel free to take a look at it on our website on queenshometeam.com. Minimum down payment, 20%, as with most co-ops, right? So one bedroom, asking $229 in Kew Gardens. All right, and lastly, I wanted to talk about the stock market and the economy. Um, so in case you don't know, you know, I'm I'm in uh uh, an active investor in the markets, so I'm always monitoring the stock market and seeing what's going on, and the economy. You know, as a realtor, it's uh, like Gary Keller always tells us. You know, you should be the local economist of choice. So to be a good realtor, you should also be a good economist. You should follow the economy, both local and macro. Um, and so I like to keep up with this stuff. So some of the newest things that we've seen happening in the market, um, in the stock market, and also in the economy, one of the um, big things was that mortgage rates actually ticked up half a point um, a couple weeks ago. So we went out to dinner actually uh, recently with one of our team members, Chris Tomio, and also our buddy, Rafael Reyes at Loan Depot. Shout out Raphael Reyes. Uh, and um, whenever I talk to Raphael, I always like to pick his brain and see how everything's going in the mortgage market. And I asked him how things are doing, how are apps? And he said, definitely um, apps were down. So applications were down. Refis, of course, are super down, right? Because, you know, everybody refinanced like last year. So nobody's refinancing, uh, not, not as much as uh, last year. And he told me that mortgage rates shot up half a point. So, you know, a week before he was quoting somebody three and a quarter and that week he was quoting them 3.75. So um, that that's a big jump and it's pretty significant when you look at your monthly payment and 
even more so than what the difference is monetarily is the mindset, you know, what it does to buyers' mindsets. But mortgage rates did go up half a point. We haven't even had a Fed rate hike yet. The first one is anticipated in March. And um, most of what I'm hearing is that it's probably going to be a, a half a point rate hike. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But at least you can know for sure that just right now in February, rates are pretty much half a point higher than they were um, just recently, right? So uh, rates are already starting to trend upward. Another thing was that the 10-year treasury actually broke 2%. So the 10-year treasury is um, a figure that uh, very closely, you know, it closely follows the mortgage rate. So mortgage rates tend to uh, follow the 10-year treasury. It's not an exact science or anything like that, but typically if treasury yields, the 10-year treasury, if it's going down, then mortgage rates tend to trend lower. And if the 10-year treasury is on the rise, if it's going up, then mortgage rates tend to rise with it. Um, it's way more intricate than just that. But um, for example, last year, my wife and I, we bought an investment property and we locked in at, well, the 10-year treasury was 1.25 or something. It was around like 1.2, 1.3% the 10-year. And um, and we ended up locking in a really good rate, right? And under 3%. Now, right now, the 10-year treasury, treasury just broke 2% for the first time in a long time. So um, you can imagine, you know, it kind of ties, goes hand in hand with what our buddy Raphael told us, that rates went up half a point, 10-year treasury is breaking 2%. So, you know, all things are leading to most likely seeing mortgage rates um, on the rise this year. You know, we'll see what happens. But that's something else significant that recently happened is seeing that 10-year treasury actually uh, break that 2% threshold. And something else was that, if in case you missed it, you know, the CPI numbers came out, the inflation, uh, the consumer um, inflation numbers, and it was up 7.5%. Um, so uh, that's been consistent recently. Um, it's been up 7%. Now it's 7.5%. So inflation is still um, up significantly. And this is the big talk of the markets, of the stock market, and um, what is the big talk amongst a lot of economists and financial advisors and things like that. So inflation is definitely up. It's something that everyone's paying attention to. And this is what most likely will drive the Fed to need to uh, do something significant in order to try to tamper inflation. So um, that's why that first rate hike, um, people are expecting it for it to be a significant rate hike in order to try to combat the inflation that we've been having. So that's something to pay attention to, but uh, inflation definitely has not slowed. Um, it's still uh, significantly higher than what we normally have. So um, definitely something to pay attention to. You probably see it in the supermarkets or when you're out. So inflation is up another key figure. And then uh, just recently, you know, the Russia-Ukraine border issue and the uh, potential invasion of Russia going into Ukraine, that has really 
driven the stock market down, all of the uncertainty. And if there were to be something to happen, some type of conflict, um, some type of engagement, you know, military engagement, it would definitely affect the markets here. You can already see that. I mean, just this year, the stock market has been like a roller coaster. So um, that's something else to keep an eye on. Um, that necessarily doesn't really impact the real estate market here. But, you know, it's macro, it's a geopolitical issue. And if it really starts to impact the stock market in a big way, then usually you start to see that kind of affect the economy and what happens in the economy. Usually we end up seeing some of that sentiment spill over into the real estate market. You know, one of the things before I wrap up this episode that I'll mention is that when mortgage rates go up, right, what happens aside from the rate going up, because even if it goes to three and a half, four percent, four and a half percent, historically, that's still a really good mortgage rate. So there's nothing, um, you know, that mortgage rate is not outlandish. You know, it's still a good mortgage rate. The problem is that prices have risen so much at such a rapid pace that, you know, when you combine the high mortgage rate, higher mortgage rates with the high prices, that's a little tough for, for buyers. And then on top of that, probably the biggest thing that happens when what we've seen when mortgage rates go up significantly, let's say half a point or more, it's the buyer mindset. That's where you start to see, you know, offers changing, buyer hesitancy. So like, for example, we're selling a, a property, we're going into contract now, but we got uh, two or three offers. And um, two of the offers that we got, the buyers didn't even raise their offer from the initial offer. They gave one offer and neither one wanted to raise the offer. And that kind of stuff happens whenever mortgage rates go up significantly because now it's like a shock and then buyers get really uh, hesitant about overpaying or really giving a good offer because they get worried that rates might continue to go up. Um, what's going to happen? Our price is going to come down, right? So they start to feel like um, they need to be more careful and that's what we're starting to see a little bit of. Thankfully, things are moving and our listings are still getting activity. But uh, definitely when you see mortgage rates go up and as they go up more and more, uh, there will be a tipping point at some point where mortgage rates get so high that you'll see uh, you might see a big pause in, in uh, activity. Uh, but no matter what, I think this year the buyer mindset is just going to be different because um, everybody is pretty much broad consensus that mortgage rates will be going up this year. And everybody knows when mortgage rates goes up, uh, it puts pressure on home prices. So I think the buyer mindset this year is probably going to be a little more careful uh, some people might be waiting and if you talk to people, you know, friends and family, they might be telling you, oh, prices are going to come down. Prices are going to come down. You know, will prices come down? I don't know about that, you know, because inventory is still low. So that might actually prop up the, the real estate market for a while. Uh, but you never know. You know, we know that mortgage rates are already up and they most likely will continue to go up. And um so, you know, just something to think about the the mindset 
of when mortgage rates are going up and what it does to buyers' mindsets, that's what really starts to impact the local market. But so far, everything is good. We're moving, you know, uh, properties are moving. Our listings are getting activity. You know, if anything changes drastically, then you'll definitely hear about it on our podcast or on our YouTube channel. Um, and we'll keep you in tune with the market so you can know what's going on here in Queens. So that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover for this week and this episode. Um, if you have any questions or if you have any topics that you'd like us to address on the podcast, you know, send us a message. You can reach us at queenshometeam.com slash askqht. And then we can, you know, jot down that question. We can either shoot a video for it on our YouTube channel or if it's a good if it's a good question, a good topic, um, then we can even record an episode on our podcast for it. Um, that kind of information, you know, there's no better content or topics than getting it directly from our audience and the actual consumers, the local New York City consumers, right? So um, thanks as always for tuning in. We're here, we're working, we're grinding, we're hustling, and we're doing our thing and we're watching the market for you. So stay tuned. Keep um, uh, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Queens Home Team. If you haven't already, you can subscribe there and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can catch the new episodes whenever we, we release them. Thanks as always for tuning in. Thanks for staying connected to QHT. Take care and have a great week.